Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to talk to you about a book that's being released. And it's a book that got considerable publicity recently because of who the author actually was. It's a book that was written by the murder journalist Lyra McKee. I want to speak to our publicist, uh, Tina Calder. Uh, Tina, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you're not just the publisher, Tina, you're a friend. And indeed, we've spoken many times and people have had many conversations about uh, Lyra the, the actual book is part of a five-year investigation into an IRA killing, which was very high profile at the time, the killing of the politician Robert Bradford back in 1981. Just for people who aren't familiar with what happened, remind us of the circumstances that it is the kernel of this book. So I, basically in 1981, um, IRA gunmen stormed a community centre on the outskirts of South Belfast and it was at that point they murdered not just Robert Bradford, the MP, but also a 29-year-old caretaker, Ken Campbell. Now at the time they also, um, they had at gunpoint a police officer, but the police officer wasn't wounded or hurt. Um, so it was... It, from that, that there was many, many questions then that were asked over the years. You know, why why did they leave one person behind as such? And why would they leave a police officer, especially at the height of the troubles? And then for decades, there was just lots and lots of rumours that, that swirled around, you know, with people believing that it, was, that it wasn't necessarily a troubled killing as such, but more so because Bradford was an outspoken MP. Um, and the history of, of using the press to make quite serious allegations and revelations. And um, certainly from Lyra's investigation, she believes that he was on the brink of potentially revealing something a lot more concerning um, in terms of the infamous children's home, King Cora, um, being at the centre of a child abuse scandal. So there, there's a lot of questions asked in the book. There's a lot of um, answers given to some things, a lot of um, information that maybe hadn't been pulled together in one place before and, and some that hadn't been been found at all. Um, and, and interestingly, I suppose it, it opens a doorway into a little bit more information behind why such a high-profile MP would be 
um, targeted in the manner in which he did. And then there are questions that the book um, brings up in relation to whether or not the security forces knew that the murder was going to happen or certainly that there was a threat and whether or not they acted quickly enough on information that they had. So there's a lot of, um, I suppose some of this has has been talked about in the past, some of it hasn't, and and a lot of it just hasn't been linked together. And I think that's what what Lyra really did with the book, was pulling all of that information from a variety of sources and being able to, I suppose, comprehensively put it together in a way that the the reader can make their own judgment and come away with certainly more information than than maybe they started with. Did someone or did a group of people face court and was a, a sentence imposed on them for their for their guilt of the killing of Robert Bradford and Ken Campbell? It's my understanding and I would actually need to reread the whole section of the book and to be fully sure it's my understanding someone that the IRA or someone did um, claim the murder at the time and then that was retracted. I'm not entirely sure of the the whole circumstances around it, but I do believe that it has been an unsolved case over the years. The book is called Angels with Blue Faces. Why is it called that? It, um, it, it refers to a property that is mentioned in the book in relation to um, a story that one of the contacts that Lyra interviews talks about and it just so happens that the angels with blue faces um, that that are in, they're essentially statues um, in this building and they're quite poignant and I think um, Lyra wanted to pull out a title that it wasn't obvious but it tied things quite nicely together and certainly it was a a title we discussed a lot, you know, I didn't get it at the beginning, Um, I was very much, are you sure about this, are you sure about this title, but Lyra being Lyra, she was very, very adamant that this was the right title and that it that it mattered, that it had to be. Um, so, you know, we we gave in and we kept it. And I'm glad we did. Now I'm glad that I, I stuck, by, you know, that she stuck by our guns. The choice of the title, as you say, is very much associated with Lyra's independence and the sort of young woman that she was. She did, from what I've learned about her since her death, she, she did things differently than, than other people. Did, did she set out to write a book that shone a light on Kinkora or is there is there much more to this particular book? I think certainly when she first started um, looking into this world it was for her she she had she had known of other books and she had known of other reports and things and she wanted to understand it a wee bit more and, and happened, I believe she'd happened to, to have some discussions with people. During that time then, at, at that point, there was a number of people who brought up Robert Bradford within the, the conversations. And I think what what then started happening was she believed, I really need to start looking into this. So it was almost like she took a tangent away from where she was originally because she couldn't. it couldn't add up to her. She just didn't understand the circumstances around it, she kept finding things then that, you know, almost, I suppose, to her just raised more and more and more questions. 
And of course, for Lear, the more questions you raise, the more her interest piqued and the more her investigative mind kicked in. And and then the determination, of course, to find an answer. That was always her big thing. You know, it was her absolute obsession to find answers. And she would leave literally no stone unturned in order to do that. And who are the main figures that contribute to the to the book? What should we be looking out for with regards to her creation of this publication? I think one of the things that um, I think was fantastic about how Lyra's own personal journey happened was she went from um, having a real disdain for the local press because she was a young a young woman who felt alienated I suppose from what was being reported at the time it certainly wasn't in her world in, in you know this this world of troubles and scandal and all of that and she went from from feeling quite disdain to finding a real friendship and camaraderie in an awful lot of um, older or more experienced uh, journalists and so she has actually spoken to a number of them people like Chris Moore for example who wrote the, the Kinkora book um, Liam Clark, Suzanne Breen you know any number of, of journalists that we could name and then also throughout the book she has spoken to um, Robert Bradford's friends um, she's spoken to other people within politics she's spoken to I believe security force sources and there's a number of sources obviously that she doesn't name throughout the book and some that are in there under pseudonyms I believe she spoke to Ken Campbell's brother as well so she has a real nice rounded view of of the situation from a lot of different angles and that's what I love about it the fact that she was able to take the time to pull all of these opinions, facts, information, whatever you want to call all of them, um, together into what's a real nice, well-rounded publication. And was Lyra also working on an investigation into disappeared children in West Belfast? She was. Um, that was a uh, that was a piece that she was working with for Faber and Faber. So when she got her two book deal, that was the first book that Faber decided to take. She had done quite a bit of work and quite a bit of research into to that book. And I believe there are some chapters that she had had written. I'm not entirely sure um, at what stage she was at with the book with Faber. Um, certainly it would be up to them to, to talk about that. But it was, I think... What happened with the Bradford book is it led her into other areas that she became quite interested in and, and led her to meet people who, I suppose, parked her interest then in investigating those, those missing children. Incredibly interesting stories that she uh, pursued. Uh, both of them uh, would make me want to read the stories, whoever wrote them. Having said that, the reality is more people are likely to read this particular book, Angels with Blue Faces, because Lyra wrote it. If, if, if she had been blessed with continuation of life and good health, she, she probably would have been promoting it and some people would have been saying, yeah, I may or may not read it and, you know, I, 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 I might take it under my notice. I get a sense now that this is going to be a book that's going to be very widely read, if only to get an understanding of how she, how, how she would write. Absolutely. The, the one thing about this, this is, in my understanding, the only piece of long-form completed work. Um, and when I say long-form, I mean in, in book format. It's over 100 pages long. And I think that 
in order to really grasp who Lyra is, this is a wonderful book to read because she she lets go of an awful lot of her own personal um, feelings and emotion and she puts that in there. She's very honest and open and authentic about what she writes and how she writes it. And I love that about the book. It's something that I never, I never thought would work in a book like this until I read it and then I realised wow it does work you're right you know and that was something I was like are you sure you want to do some first person stuff in there you know are you sure that's going to work and but she she very cleverly has woven her journey on the investigation into the investigation um and so when you're reading it you get a real sense of of her at the linen hall library for example trawling through boxes of old newspaper clippings and you know just different ways in which she would she would get the information and and how she was thinking and her mindset at the time as well and i love the fact that you get that with the book as well as the story itself it gives you this wonderful sort of two-pronged reason to read the book. And, and yes, maybe there may be more eyes on this book now now that she's passed. But I think that if Lyra had have been here promoting this book herself, I think you would have been very hard pushed to not know it exists because she had this wonderful ability to just penetrate, you know, the world. And, you know, she knew so many people in so many different communities, so many different circles, and she connected with every single person she met on such a personal level that when when we see the influx of people who are saying, I was a close personal friend, or I knew her really well, or, you know, we did this, we did that, no one is, is over sort of over-egging the pudding. She genuinely made you believe that you were one of the most important people in her life. And I think that was that was something that was really going to work for her when the book came out. Um, because people people have been on this journey. It's like, you know, that that five-year journey was, was just as, as hard for some of the rest of us, you know, because she was constantly asking questions, you know, constantly trying to find out, did people know other people they could connect her with? And, and she just had that wonderful way of asking for those favours and asking for, for that information and, and help at the same way, at the, in the same way as also you know, working incredibly hard behind the scenes, the amount of paperwork she read, the amount of interviews that she transcribed and read and read again and, you know, and and the amount of times that she was back and forward to London and all over Northern Ireland talking to people, um, you know, she, she really did a really thorough number. And what was amazing for me is when she wrote the book then, she could have what many, many writers do, go into, you know, a lot of detail that's just not required and it's not needed, but she didn't. She has kept the book nicely succinct and and very clear and crisp on the story. And that's what I, that, what I love about it in terms of its writing and its content. Yeah. First and foremost, she's a, a loss to her family and loved ones and Secondly, to society generally here in Northern Ireland, but the way you're describing Absolutely. her uh, there, uh, Tina, she's a loss to the journalistic industry. And uh, I think people will now want to read this book. It's called Angels with Blue Faces, putting the spotlight on the killing of the MP Robert Bradford back in 1981 and the murder of Ken Campbell at the same time as well. It's published by Excalibur Press. Uh, when is it available, Tina? 
So it's currently on pre-order at the moment. So you can go to excaliburpress.co.uk um, or off to the bookshop and pre-order it. We um, It goes off to the printer possibly tomorrow or Thursday with just a few final checks to confirm with the designer. And then we are hoping that it will be back with us by the end of the month. And we're just waiting to confirm um, a venue for the launch. And anyone who pre-orders the book will get an invite to the launch because we know that there's going to be an awful lot of people that want to attend the launch but the place that we have selected and we hope that that will happen isn't the biggest place on the planet um, but it meant something to Lear and it meant something in the in the research of the book so we're hoping that, that that will happen. We may end up having to have another event as well but certainly if you pre-order the book now you've definitely got an invite to the launch at the end of the month. I would imagine there'd be immense interest. Uh, thanks for describing it to us, Tina. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Tina Calder, a friend of Lyra's, publisher as well. And Excalibur Press, Excalibur Press is the publisher. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sure. Right.